Hello and welcome to Tigers by the Fire, a podcast out of Holy Cross High School about World War II discussions and stories. This is episode one of season three. Today we're going to be talking about the Manhattan Project, and I'm going to let my two students introduce themselves. I'm Arya Rashkabar. Hi, guys. Hi, I'm Barry Dan. So today we're going to be looking at the Manhattan Project. And for those of you who don't know, this is the research project that led to the development of the nuclear bombs, which were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And so I think Aria is going to start us off with just a little bit about the actual bombings themselves, and then we're going to rewind and go into the development of them. So So the United States carried out their first ever weapon with a destructive power of nuclear bomb combat on August 6, 1945 which was detonated over the city of Hiroshima, which the bomb was dropped from Enola Gay, which was called Little Boy, which 70 to 135,000 people died in Hiroshima. August 9th, 1945, on Nagasaki, another bomb was dropped called Fat Man, which 80, about 80,000 people had died, which Japan didn't, didn't surrender, so they dropped it. Yeah, and I, I think it, we'll probably get to that at the end about the moral ethical discussion about dropping an atomic bomb. I, I think one of the things we have to understand too is the development of this these bombs is so intense. There's a lot of money brought into this and it involves, as you guys are going to point out, thousands of people that the dropping of it is almost inevitable if a war is still going on. So uh, where do you guys want to start off? Because I know you guys are kind of hyper-focused on a couple of places where they you know, developed this and experimented. We'll start with uh, Trinity Test first. Um, so the Trinity test was the world's first actual nuclear explosion, which occurred on July 16th in 1945. Um, they tested a plutonium bomb in the uh, Alamos bombing range, and this was 240 miles away from Los Alamos, which was a very populated city at the time. And there was a lot of uncertainty with this bomb because they didn't know if the bomb was actually going to go off or if it was dead, and also the power of the bomb. And this city was... Uh, the location in the test city was called Los Alamos, and this was basically a test and development site for the bomb itself, and it was a whole secret city in a sense. Um, they had 18,000 people living in this city, and each person had a secret name. They didn't know anyone else's real name, so they could keep it all a secret. And an interesting thing I thought was that they only had one address for the whole city, and it was called P.O. Box 19, or 1663 in Santa Fe. Because every piece of mail that was sent and sent out was checked thoroughly and make sure no secrets are getting out about the actual plan of what was going on at the test site. Yeah, I think it's funny because we sometimes look in pop culture with movies like Top Secret. But this really was top secret. I mean, you have thousands of people who are sworn to secrecy. They can't contact their families. And like you're saying, their mail is essentially censored. Um, And stuff that does go through is going to be read by multiple people before and when they send stuff out, it's going to be read before anyone ever gets to it, too. So I think it's a, it's an interesting part of this. And then the detonating of the bomb, as you said, they don't know if it's going to work. And when it does, it sends concussion waves and everything else that are going to be heard for miles. So it's going to be I think it's an interesting event. They also uh, they like made a test city like the nuclear neighborhood and they tested um, people like inside of their own homes. They use plastic mannequins to replicate people, and they use like all different types of clothing, and they put them like sitting down on the couch, eating dinner, standing up, just to see the true effects of the bomb and its true power. So, for our Call of Duty fans, that would be the Nuketown map in Call of Duty. I, I know we had talked about this 
There are certain, like in Indiana Jones, one of the movies, he hides in a refrigerator. Would that have worked? Would not have worked. <laughs> I watched a, uh, I watched a video actually, and had like the effects, like it was a test, and everything just got disintegrated, and even like the people inside, they were just completely. They weren't a thing like the mannequins. They're testing that out to see what it's going to do to a civilian population. And obviously, so after they test it, they do know relatively what the result is going to be so long as these bombs explode, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. Well, we'll start next to about the uh, Tennessee, another city that was created. And we'll speak on what the plants did. So in Tennessee, Site X was renamed the Clinton Engineer Works. After the neighboring town, after World War II, Oak Ridge was named, which it was its new name. It was a top secret project needed the help of 100,000 people who were brought to the city for jobs. Many of these people didn't really see what was going to happen from the side effects of this. So at Oak Ridge, it's a national laboratory in Tennessee. During the Manhattan Project, engineers built a community for 30,000 employees, as well as uh, complicated factories and about the acre wise of those properties it was 59,000 acres of land along the Clinch River 20 miles west of Knoxville, Tennessee and the understanding of what the plants really did was like this secret society so there were four producing locations were in valleys outside of the town which just pre- prevented unexpected explosion so it does not cause <laughs> the other sides of Tennessee to like be affected. Well, we'll start off with one plant. Y-12 facilities located one hill south of Oak Ridge. Further south and west were the X-10 and K-25 areas, which housed experimental plutonium and separation of facilities. Well, what what is Y-12, X-10, and K-25 mean? Well, Y-12 is magnet size and placement and beam resolution. X-10 is a graphite reactor, and K-25 is a gaseous diffusion-enriched uranium for atomic weapons, which officially created the atomic bombs. So they have, I mean, it's a wide range of experiments going on. And when you talk about 30,000 people just at one facility involved, I think it's a little crazy in a modern world that might be impossible with cell phones and social media to have that many people with top secret jobs. One thing I always find interesting, and I'm not sure if you saw this in your research, is that very few people are seeing the results of every test site. It's more of scientists focusing on one part and then it meets in the middle with a few key people, you know, disseminating the information from all of the sites. So I thought that was an interesting thing when I was reading about it. Uh, the, the Tennessee stuff is pretty interesting too, because yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Tennessee had just gotten developed with power plants and everything else in the 1930s with the TVA. And so some of this on the surface looked like a continuation of those government projects and in actuality it was made for the atomic bomb. And now Brody will get into what the, what the led to the Manhattan project. So in ni- 1939, Many uh, scientists from Germany began to flood due to the state of Germany at the time, and they're bringing word of mouth that they're starting to develop a nuclear weapon in a sense, but American scientists really didn't know what was going on. But due to all the uh, German scientists leaving and coming to the United States, they were able to get a better understanding, and 
they started to develop it, and this was due to the cause that they didn't want to not have it, and the Germans have it. So they were really just doing it as like a defense sense, or as a defense in a sense. So that's how it really got formed, but they weren't planning to use it. It was just more of like they have to stay ahead with time. Yeah, and this is before the United States is in the war, and Einstein sends FDR a letter essentially outlining, hey, this is what they're doing in Germany, and if we don't match it, we're going to be severely outnumbered. And, and you can imagine what the German war machine would have been like if they had had the availability of nuclear weapons. But luckily, a lot of the scientists fled for either ethical reasons or a bunch of them were Jewish, and so they left because of that as well. So it really, the only reason we get on this is because of, you know, escaped German scientists, which I think is kind of interesting. And, and that also brings up why this weapon was developed it really wasn't developed for Japan, was it? It was developed for the German, Germans. Yeah, for Germany. So I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of it. And the other interesting thing was it was just like a race of if Hitler and the Nazis would gain this much power during that time and America was like, and the United States weren't prepared, what could possibly happen? So they weren't trying to use it really, but it was just in case of any backup features. Many other uh, research paths were investigated. Research have uh, looked into both electronic, magnetic, and fusion methods uh, for separating uranium-235 from uranium-238, which these two reactions created enough to create an explosion when they were testing. For these fundings, they had the green light for everything. They had the ability to do whatever they want, really. And it was 130,000 workers for the Manhattan Project, and it took approximately $2.2 billion to create just two bombs, which was insane. Yeah, considering that bombs were created for hundreds of dollars at the time. I mean, this is a massive undertaking for the most powerful weapons, obviously, that we had ever created. And to your point, the funding is virtually unlimited. In modern dollars, I don't even know what the equation would be, and those are usually hard to kind of calculate, but it is off the scale on how expensive it is. Uh, right up there with the Apollo project or anything else that we've ever really done. So it was definitely all in by the government, all in by the military to develop these weapons. And again, at first, it's, it's a to even the playing field with Germany, but at the end of the day, by 1944, it's to win the war, right? They, they think that this is going to be the, the easiest way to win. And another interesting fact when I was reading on a topic about, uh, like, the uranium and plutonium in general. So uh, it was like a government-based thing that they would inject people with uh, plutonium, which they would see the characteristics of what it would do to a body. And there were, like, medical terms that were being tested, and they would just test them on these people that were, like, in bad accidents or, like, didn't have a sense just to live. Like, they were just in hospitals. So. Yeah, where did you find the medical testing stuff? Uh, so, on the website I had, it was gizmodo.com, a U.S. government program, which mm -hmm. it just mainly spoke about all the people, just what, what the effects were from these. Yeah. So, that was really interesting. And I think just with the bombing in general, uh, it played like a wide role in our history, really, because yeah. it affects so many people during that time with a lot of people just dying from this two bombs dropped. And then the aftermath of cancer in that area, radiation exposure, it leads to so many other things. Uh, 
than just the original people dying. But it's also that aspect of people dying in a flash, just one event wiping out an entire city before we had to launch hundreds of planes to take out portions of cities. And this is just going to be that one, one and done bomb. So, I mean, it was uh, really like a sense in history that like, I think we look back and like, that's like pretty bad. But during that time, it's like, I don't think they had like a little, a sensation of thinking and like, they're like, Oh, like, let's just drop it. And plus, with uh, Roosevelt sending a letter from Einstein about the bombs being created, which was like mind blown. And when I was reading, it was like Einstein said, I didn't think I could create this bad of a bomb. And it's like, he like started second guessing himself like, oh, why did I do this? And like, why did I do that? Yeah, Oppenheimer has a similar thing because he's the one who really leads the project. And he afterwards kind of regrets some of it because it, it gives this ultimate power. But I think people have to put it in context. And when we look at the decision to drop the bomb, we're already bombing cities, firebombing Japanese cities. In Germany, we had bombed virtually every major metropolis area. And so we're dropping incendiary bombs, concussion bombs, everything else. So the idea of just dropping one bomb that does the whole thing made sense, I think. In a lot of ways... For Americans, it was preserving American lives to end the war quickly. And that's ultimately what's going to the decision that's going to promote that August dropping of the bombs in 19. So, I guess for you guys, do you think that the dropping of the atomic bombs was appropriate at the time? And then we'll look at the broader historical ramifications of it. Um, personally, I think it, it's justified in a war sense, but not a moral sense. Because the United States, if they would have went further into the war, we would have lost a lot more lives than if we did drop the bomb. So dropping it ended the war ultimately. But if we would have stormed uh, or invaded Japan, it would have been it would have been a lot more deaths for the United States. So in sense of war for the United States, it was good. But from a human standpoint, it's horrible to kill that many people at one time. But yet again, a world war was going on. So. Nothing's really morally right at that time. What you think, Arya? Well, I think there's always a cause and effect to these type of situations that in like humanized standpoint, it was terrible. But in a war aspect, being like this big war, I think it was appropriate during that time. But like if someone would tell me, oh, yeah, we're going to drop a bomb in 2022. I don't think that's appropriate because there's like so much to live for in life. And there's like one little bomb could destroy like a whole city and just like destroy all these people's lives for no reason, just for just a country fighting back and forth. There could be effects from it, but like how we saw, there was a lot of effects from the news after the bomb dropping and like everybody started to turn their backs on like these governments, like saying, oh, why'd you do these to these poor people and stuff? Like, yeah, you have these patrons of America, like, oh yeah, that's amazing. But there's a backlash on our history that we have to look for that we affected other people's lives. Yeah, and I, I often think it's interesting that the United States and Japan have such a good relationship today because of that war was so horrible. But the other aspect of the atomic bomb is to put into 1945 context that the Cold War is realistically starting at this point. Do you think there's any political motivation to use it, knowing that the Soviet Union and our relationship is already souring? 
Well, you could look at it in like two viewpoints. It's like if we drop these bombs, America would hold this much power. And that like with these two atomic bombs, yeah, they showed like really like they hold a lot of power. But like these other like smaller countries that are like not technologized like we are in America, it's like there's like no real answer that you could get into. I think it was more just to end the war personally. I think there was not a lot of motivation behind it in another sense, but I think it was just we're going to drop this bomb on them to end the war, and if they don't want to surrender, then we're going to have to drop another one, and ultimately they did. Yeah, and I, and I think it's important to know that Truman doesn't do this just randomly. He, he debates it. He, he gets his advisors on board, and it is a very debated situation, and there's really no evidence outside of speculation, as you guys have learned about, uh, that Truman has any other motive, motive other than just this is going to be the quickest way to end the war. Um, there is some justification that it might save not just American lives, but Japanese lives, though I find that that one's a little, a little uh, almost like trying to justify your actions a little bit. So it's, <clears throat> it's definitely one of those interesting events that you can debate about, but it happened. Um, what, what are the do we think are the long-term ramifications of the United States? Because we're the only country who's used a nuclear bomb in conflict. Um, I think ever, since we dropped it, that more countries have become aware of the technology and try to develop it on their own. And I think they can almost use it as like a, a weapon against ourselves since if we ever go to war again, they could justify dropping one on us as since we did it. It's seen as okay almost in a sense, but... I think the opening of the door of dropping it just kind of made the world know that we can use it in the future. And I think uh, the influence of that would be other countries and like colonies would like see that, oh yeah, they made these type of bombs. Let's try to make our own and try to create something more powerful, which some of us, we don't even know if there's like another bomb bigger than this like with the technology we have now and like how advanced everything is there could be something way worse than these two bombs that were dropped in japan yeah and we do know that militarily we the bombs that we have today are exponentially stronger than the ones that we had in 1945 Uh, but i find it interesting because when you look at countries like north korea or Iran, that's the big political argument is should they be able to develop nuclear weapons? Because we have them, Russia has them, Britain, France, a lot of China, obviously India, Pakistan. So all these huge countries have them. And so when countries that we don't like develop them, we get very, we get very mad about it. Let me ask you this. Do you think the, because of what they did to the city, do you think it prevented the United States or other countries from really using them uh, going forward after 1945? Well, I think there's a viewpoint that you could look through is with seeing that, I think it's like it comes to an effect that like, yeah, they'll create smaller bombs, but I don't think something will escalate like this bad to them dropping another nuclear bomb, which like God knows what could happen like nowadays, but I don't think... Like the effects of this, it would just cause like little bombings, not like insanely like nuclear bombs. Yeah, and that's that's more my point. That eventually, you know, at a certain point, with the United States having you know tens of thousands of nuclear weapons, the Soviet or Russia, right, having about fourteen thousand, 
it's very hard for both these countries to ever get into a conflict with one another because what happens if they get into a big war? It's Everyone loses. So uh, I wanted to give you guys the opportunity for some closing thoughts on the Manhattan Project and what you guys learned about it. So I'll start off. Um, not necessarily about the Manhattan Project, but the whole sense of, like, the secret city really, like, I don't know, it just kind of, like, amazed me because they even had, like, signs throughout the city saying, like, to keep this a secret. So the people knew, like, what was going on in a sense, but not, like, the grand scheme of everything since they were developing, like, small parts, as you said. But I think that it was just, it blew my mind, honestly, that they were able to keep it a secret, even though it was going on throughout the whole country. Uh, I think it was, like, pretty cool of learning all this. It's, like, how they have, like, these secret cities and, like, with the Manhattan Project in general. Yeah, it, like, went terribly bad, but sooner or later, something like this was going to end up happening. And, like, the thing that amazed me was, like, how these people would, like, live in these, like, little towns and, like, say, like, they wouldn't even speak on a word about, like, oh, yeah, where am I from? Like, with pride, it's, like, oh, there's just, like, regular test bombings and, like, uh, the Trinity test or, like, in Los Alamos, it's, like, all facilities of plants. It's, like, yeah, if you're living in a plant, that like, drive a person crazy. But, like, some of these people in their, like, daily lives are used to all this being, like, secretized by the government, really. Yeah, I, it, I always find it to be interesting that they're able to keep that many people quiet. It's also probably why the Russians were able to catch up so quickly after this event because they paid for a lot of information from a lot of people and they do have spies in on it um, as we discover in the Cold War. But uh, thank you guys. That was a good discussion. And this was Tigers by the Fire. And we will talk to you guys later. Bye.